This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. You've heard of Facebook, right? Huge website, over a billion people visit it every day, but what's it like actually working there? I talked with product designer Hannah Kulin to find out. Another interesting thing about working at Facebook is it's the first time I actually work with other female designers. I've only been surrounded by male designers in my previous company, so working at Facebook gives you an interesting opportunity to meet people from all over the world, to learn from different perspectives, and to work with a wide range of designers. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, the New York Times is looking for product designers across several departments, customer relationship, customer acquisition, customer onboarding, and more. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for our weekly job alerts so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. And if you're looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp and Hover. More than 10 million businesses around the world use MailChimp for marketing automation and email newsletters. MailChimp is great for entrepreneurs with small businesses, but their team also builds enterprise-level tools and functionality as well. For more information, check out MailChimp Pro at MailChimp.com forward slash pro. When you have a great idea, you want to secure a great domain name for it. That's where Hover comes in. Hover makes it super easy for you to find that domain name that you're looking for and get it up and running with no hassle and no heavy-handed upselling. So go ahead and grab yourself a domain today and use our promo code REVISIONPATH and you'll save 10% off your purchase. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. So we're at 35 patrons for a new total of $261 a month. Uh, Thanks again so much for everyone that has pledged your support. Thanks for those of you that have actually increased your pledge levels. Uh, We just hit the one year mark over on Patreon. So that's really great to see you still hanging in there, supporting the show. It really, really does mean a lot. If you want to become a patron of Revision Path and get access to some great perks like early access to future episodes and free Revision Path swag, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Revision Path and make that happen. Pledge level started just $1 per month and it's a really great way to support the show on a regular basis. Now let's go to this week's interview. I'm talking with Kingsley Harris, a product designer at Facebook. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. So my name is Kingsley Harris. I'm a uh, product designer. I'm currently a product designer at at Facebook in Menlo Park. So talk to me about what it's like working at Facebook. 
Man, Facebook is an interesting environment. My background's mostly been in kind of like what I like to call like scrappy situations. So I got started early, early, way back working at actually one of the first online communities, which was weird that I'm currently at one. And, you know, we're talking about like, you know, just a bunch of people crammed into a, an office trying to make this thing work. So Facebook is like the total opposite of that, right? It's a huge business. And like specifically when it comes to design, the, the thing that's amazing about it is like, you know, our work has impact at scale. You know, like what we're about is connecting the world, making the world more open and connected. And you as a product designer get a chance to impact many lives through various products at Facebook. So that's kind of like the, the high level thing that about Facebook from a design perspective that is amazing. What have you learned about design since you started working there? So for me, it's like I've always had a, a willingness to kind of, you know, try new things. But at the same time, like I've always recognized the things that I'm really, really good at and sort of laser focused myself to to continue to improve on that at Facebook like because you know the company's so big and there are so many other extremely talented designers you naturally start to fall into this path of well yeah I can totally do this thing you know like just because I you know I design products and like I'm more on the visual side doesn't mean I can't prototype so it really sort of like opens up your your mind to be more like thinking about your own individual growth and try to find different areas where you can kind of broaden your skills. I think that to me has been the, the thing that I've, I've learned to kind of to embrace since joining. And I've only been there for about nine months, so there's many more opportunities to come, but immediately I'm, I'm seeing huge improvements in how I'm learning and how I'm progressing as a designer. So walk me through like, what's a typical day like for you working there? So I, I can't talk too specific about what I actually work on, but I work in the, in the business design group at Facebook. So, you know, essentially in the enterprise realm of Facebook. So a lot of my work is taking, you know, extremely complicated systems that, that we've built and designed over the years and, you know, try to find ways to simplify them. Working with a decent sized team of, you know, other designers and content strategists and researchers and engineers, basically just try to find ways that we can make our tools better for the people who use them. Meetings and other things get in the way, but the, the core focus is like, how do we make our tools simple? You know, we're working on making our, our tools more beautiful and engaging, working on modernizing. Basically, that's it. Facebook kind of seems like, I guess from a design standpoint, like the, the mecca in terms of like a place to work in terms of the amount of projects you do. And like you say, Facebook really kind of has impact at scale when it comes to design. And you say you came from this this background of like scrappy situations, as you say. <laughs> yeah. What's kind of been the, the biggest challenge for you working there, like the transition? What's the, been the biggest challenge? I think the biggest challenge initially, so, you know, at Facebook, it takes a while to get ramped up. And like everyone around you recognizes that except you. So, you know, you get there and you're like, I want to make everything better. This is broken. I want to fix this right now which is a, a beautiful energy to have, I think, I think what, what happens is you sort of like, you pause for a second and you realize, okay, now I need to start figuring out like, what's the smartest way to try to solve some of these problems? Like, I'm passionate about this and that's great. There are opportunities for me to, to you know, pursue and weave in my passions into my work, 
But like, let's tr- try to be smart and a little bit more strategic about you know how you work. So I think that's like the major lesson. It's less about sort of like you know for me at least my personal process going into like a creative space where I'm you know I'm I'm more like an artist than it's more about like how do I look at everything in front of me and make strategic decisions that will help you know move our products forward and help solve problems for our consumers. So it's not really the kind of situation where at some companies as soon as you start you have to to hit the ground running like they've already got big stuff for you to work on. Not saying that Facebook doesn't have stuff for you to work on, but like you said it just takes a while to kind of ramp up to that level of of thinking and execution. Absolutely. And everyone will remind you like look, great that you're here. Love that you you want to like tear stuff up and and like but just take it easy. Like we need you to look <laughs> around you and like absorb, you know, understand these acronyms and you know, uh-huh. and and start to like you know, learn from your peers and then you start to find your comfortable space. And and for me and some of my peers, I think like at six months is when you're like, you look around and you're like, yeah, like I got this. Now I'm prepared to like go where where I feel like I can go and, and, and even beyond where I think I can go. And that's the sort of confidence that you get, you know, after being around super smart people for just a few months. How big is the product design team? Oh, geez. I don't know if I could talk specific numbers. This, this is another, another thing you'll learn about working at big companies. It, we're, we're a large group of designers. I, I think hundreds at this point spread across, across the globe. Menlo Park obviously being the headquarters, we have m- many more designers there, but there's you know, a decent contingency in, uh, in New York and London. I haven't had a chance to visit some, some other offices, but I've been to London and, and New York and definitely a thriving design group there in, in those cities. So Facebook kind of gives you the opportunity then to travel between the offices and work. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think one of the cultural things about Facebook is that, you know, we champion is the ability to like, like, you know, if our job is to make the world more open and connected, it, it would be terrible for us to not be able to, you know, sit, you know, have a coffee, whatever, with some of our peers in other cities. Like, it just makes no sense. We can't, you know, you know while we can do a lot over um, video conference, it's also, you know, building relationships also means that we need to spend time with people. So I've found mm-hmm. that even even just traveling to these places with some of my my peers from from Mellow Park, you know, we get to know each other a lot better, and that just you know makes us work a lot a lot better. So not being at not having not been at a larger company, particularly in Silicon Valley, I've you know I've heard that this is sort of like unique to Facebook where. The culture of making sure that people are connected and talking to each other and building relationships is the key to like individual and group success. And do you have the opportunity to kind of work between different design teams? You say you're on the enterprise team, but I know that Facebook is a lot more things with design besides that. Designers at Facebook, and I, I can't speak for other disciplines, but we there's a sense of autonomy, and you know because we're a part of our culture is to kind of build relationships. You know, I could be, you know, having lunch with someone who's working on something totally different in the consumer space. And, you know, maybe we have an idea or we, we come up with something that we, we want to tackle. You know, it's up to us to then go and take that as far as we can, you know, within reason. And that's sort of like in a non-official capacity. In official capacity, like the organization is such that you, you know, you can move about, you know, at, at, at reasonable times whenever you're, you feel like it where 
we don't trap people in, you know, in places and, and say, well, no, you have to work on this thing. It's, it's all about like your individual interests and passions and making sure that that's nurtured. And if that means that you do something else, then, you know, you go do something else. Now that is pretty unique. <laughs> I think mo- most places I know where where I've been a designer, and even from people that I've I've had on the show, you you can sort of get locked into your position and what you're doing, and there's not really that opportunity to to spread your wings and kind of see what you can do with design in other parts of the company or things like that. So it's good that Facebook allows that flexibility. Absolutely, I think the one key thing that we we talk about in terms of design is that like there's not one product or type of de- design problem, you know, at Facebook. So there's a lot of things to do uh, on the design front, and that means you know more designers or like people rotating and you know having having different ideas, you know, pass through different parts of the organization is super key. So I want to go back way back. I want to know kind of when did you first get that that spark for design? Like when did it kind of hit you that this is what you wanted to do? I grew up in New York, like I mentioned. I'm originally from from Jamaica, the West Indies, and you know, in the in the '90s, I moved to to Brooklyn, me and my mom, and you know, that was obviously a different environment. Like, you know, we moved in in like February, and it, it was snowing, and it was just horrible. I was I was homesick for a very long time. So that that's sort of like you know, like the first part of transformation for me, and then just growing up in New York, like I started. You know, I'd go into Manhattan and, and like, you know, where all the action was. And, you know, New York City is just covered with, you know, A, there's tons of dirt, right? <laughs> there's graffiti everywhere. I mean, it's a lot cleaner now, but, and then there's like posters and billboards and advertising and everything's everywhere. So I think at some point, like, that stuff started to kind of like seep into my brain in an unconscious way. You know, I, and I remember hanging out with friends in, in the city and, I can't sleep past like 7 a.m. So it's, it's great that we're talking so early. So I'd end up at like Barnes and Nobles in the design section, um, in the art section, kind of like just taking all this stuff in. Specifically, I got into this, this magazine called Raygun, which is mm-hmm. like a music magazine back at that time. And it was just so like raw and unstructured and just like chaotic. And it, it drew me to it. And I started to sort of like follow design in that way. I think that was the, the genesis of, of me being interested in, in design. So I did that for a while and I, and I, I started to kind of hack on it and eventually like got a job at a now defunct online magazine in, in like 98, 99, where I basically kind of faked it till I made it. And yeah. I think what, was, <laughs> what was interesting about that time is that that style of design, which was you know, very loose and improvised was perfect for kind of where I was from a design education and experience perspective, because we were doing all sorts of stuff that just like broke a lot of the rules of design. So I kind of came through design from like just hacking it versus going to to school and learning it. The flip side, though, is those early experiences sort of said to me, okay, I need to like understand what this thing is about. So, you know, through some channel, I figured out, okay, this is, this is called graphic design, and these people are graphic designers, and they go to schools like Pratt and Parsons. So I basically set out to figure out, how do I get to, to one of these schools? And it was a summer process. You know, I just reversed engineered like magazine spreads and 
postcards for shows and like stuff like that. And, and basically threw together a portfolio connected with a guy who I, I can't remember his name now. It's been so long who shot a portfolio for me because back then crazy, you had to like do stuff like that. Who like took my print pieces that I went and I printed at like a print shop, photographed them and, and made a portfolio and showed up at Pratt and like, you know, did all that stuff. And, and, like I got accepted to Pratt and I was like, holy shit, like what, what's happening here? And, yeah. and basically that's how I got into design. And I got to Pratt and started getting the foundational you know, work, started understanding the decisions that I was making that I reverse engineered, like how these things come about, like started drawing type by hand, understanding how you like, you know, design a magazine spread and print it, things like that. And so that's sort of how I started design. And then while that was happening, I was also working part-time at a, at a company called Black Planet, which is also an interesting wow. story. So basically, you know, working at Black Planet in the morning and taking the train, going to Brooklyn to go to Pratt in the evening, you know, like bringing my, one of my professors like a treat because I was always late, you know, leaving work to get to my class. So yeah, this is crazy times how I, how I got into design. So I, I really want to hear about this time with you working at Black Planet because this I'm guessing this was around like 99, 2000, something like that. That's correct. I was in college at that time. I was on Black Planet's street team. No <laughs> kidding. Time. Yeah. I think they had a street team in the AUC here in, uh, in Atlanta. I went to Morehouse. So I'm very familiar with Black Planet. I'm pretty sure a lot of people that are listening are also very familiar with Black Planet. That's crazy. <laughs> I forget like that Black Planet was like, I mean, when it showed up in in a Kanye and, and Taleb track, I was like, whoa, we, we just made it. I don't know if you, I don't know if you, you probably know that one, but yeah, um, yeah, that's crazy. What was it like working there? Yeah. So Black Planet was, so uh, let me back up and tell you like how that came about. So when I first started to like get online and, and I'm going to really go back here hopefully someone who you've interviewed in the past or someone in the community will understand this. So when I first started getting online, I was getting on something, a thing called like a bulletin board service. They were called BBSs. BBS, yeah. And there was one out of Brooklyn. It was like a, and this was the era of internet cafes and, and things. There was one out of Brooklyn, I think called uh, CocoNet or something. There's a, a, a guy named Omar Wassow that was involved in this. And yeah. so I connected with him through this service, but I, I'd never met him. Like we're both in the same city, but I'd never met him. And years later, there was a, this Japanese design book that that featured, I think, like a hundred designers. And one of those improvised pieces that I was talking about before was uh, published. And I think he saw that and he was like, "I know that name." So he reached out and said, "Hey, I'm starting this thing called Black Planet. I've got this person. You know, just, I'm gonna name drop. I've you know I've got Ian Spalter." You know, there's Candace, there's a bunch of people who are doing this thing. And it's like that, I like to think about it like that, um, one of Kanye's album where he's like, he's like when, when Jay-Z invited him to, you know, do a track on the blueprint, he's like, you know, what am I going to tell him? I was on the train. And that's basically what I did. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm in. So I went in, in this, to be a part of this, this thing. I had no idea that this was going to be so new. I was very familiar with communities based on the BBSs, but this was like on the internet, you know, we had content that we were designing for. So it was, it was tapping into some of those like magazine type things that I was learning 
and also just understanding more about the web and like HTML. We had to like code the things that we designed and it was, you know, there's sort of like every person kind of like figuring out what's the best way to do something. It was, it was a really magical time in my life and career and, and, and some of those people are still, I'm still closely connected with and are just absolutely dear to my heart. Yeah, you mentioned Ian Spalter. He's uh, at Facebook now and Instagram. Yeah, that, that's crazy too. Those things are like me being at Facebook and him at Instagram are just totally like accidental, which is just nuts. <laughs> we've, we've crossed <laughs> paths many, many times since meeting in 99. I mean, I've, I've talked with other, you know, New York designers that kind of also spoke to me about how magical that time was sort of in like the late 90s, early 2000s, because you had this confluence of music and the web and print kind of all coming together in this really kind of interesting way. So you've got like Black Planet, of course, uh, Vibe Magazine, mm-hmm. Source, and then you have all these online destinations that are also sort of popping up that tap into this culture. Were you aware at the time, like how big Black Planet was? Like I know you mentioned you kind of heard it on a verse, but like in terms of identity, was that something that they really made you all aware of? Did you sort of know in the moment how big the thing was that you were doing? I think we knew how big it was by by virtue that we, this was new. This was like unprecedented, like representing the African diaspora online. And, and also we had other communities. Like this was, this was a moment where you know, no one else was thinking about this this thing in a in, in a digital sense. So in that regard, like we we knew and felt that it was it it was big. I think the actual like when you step back and you look at the the actual impact, you know, people's lives and how this was, you know, in a way the first time when you know people from from across you know state lines and different backgrounds, different education, all that sort of stuff, you know, they were online, you know, in a space that was you know sort of tailored for them and you know safe and welcoming that sort of impact i think when i reflect on it it makes more sense to me now but at the moment we were like yeah like this is definitely big because we're the only one mm-hmm. but the, you know that's a different way of looking at it like the impact on people's lives now i think like it, it's something that that makes me feel really good knowing that i was a part of that yeah because i mean with black planet there was also um, hente mm-hmm. there was asian avenue so you had these other you know, kind of niche social networks that appealed to people that were in that, you know, race or ethnicity. And that's something that you kind of see that now, but it's more, I feel like that's more built on someone else's kind of platform as opposed to a platform being built just for that, if if that makes any sense. Right. No, absolutely. I I think the essence of of why those networks um, existed and I think were successful is that it's, it's the it's the FUBU kind of approach, right? It's the for us, yeah. by us. So the people who were staffed on these, on these you know, different communities were from that community, right? And like we definitely cross-pollinated, but the people who are driving the, you know, the product decisions and the type of content that were on those sites were people from those communities, which I think is sort of, I can't think of another situation now where that's, you know, very evident, right? Like, I think editorial teams or even TV shows, right? Like, I I heard an NPR NPR interview about the showrunner for Empire, and one of the things she talked about was, like, just maintaining the, making sure that the people who are driving the show are from that community and have those perspectives. I think we definitely need more of that being sort of overt 
in, in different types of media today? Because I, I think it makes a difference. Yeah. You know, when I think about Black Planet and think about how social networks and communities have grown, I mean, really exponentially over the years, because Black Planet was not, in the grand scheme of things, Black Planet was not that long ago. I mean, that's like, what, 2000-ish, around that time. It's 2016 now. And you think about how big online communities are, like Facebook and things like that. Black Planet sometimes tends to be left out of that conversation. I feel like it, yeah. it starts at MySpace for some reason. It starts yeah. at around MySpace. Not saying that MySpace wasn't big, but when you think about the impact of Black Planet, not just from, I think, a social networking standpoint, but you know, in the context of this show, from a design standpoint, was really big because you also have this platform where people are able to kind of customize their own pages with you know, images and, and text and music. I mean, I, I saw some really tricked out Black Planet pages back in the day. Yeah. Um, and, and so you, you kind of have this this burgeoning, I don't know, like design platform that you can do all these really cool things on on the web. And there's I think there's so many people that really got into graphic design because of Black Planet, that got into coding because of Black Planet, because you had this community that was not only kind of for you, by you, but also this place where you could kind of practice these skills that maybe, you know, you just wanted to do something cool that someone else was doing. So you kind of have this, this I don't know, like the sandbox of this kind of thing happening. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely agree with you that it, it doesn't come up very often and people do start at MySpace. I, I think it's one of those, it's part in part a sort of driven by, you know, timing, right? Like now if anything happens, like you hear about it almost instantly, right? And there's mm -hmm. also this concept of kind of being, you know, being first, being kind of like, you know, tricky, being early rather, being too early, kind of tricky. So I think like the combination of, of those things kind of, you know, helped make something like a MySpace be the kind of the, the genesis of online communities and then Facebook being, you know, kind of the leader. I think you know, the way that we can potentially solve this is like kind of uprooting these stories and, and really stepping back and, and having a true history through these stories of, of online communities. You know, I would love to also hear some stories about like, you know, the bulletin board services, like really take it back and say like, this is how these things started. And these are the things that kind of helped other companies in the future validate that this was a model that they could, you know, they could build a business around and, and then you know, some scale than others didn't. I think it's an education thing, like bring it back and just have a true sense of story, rather a true sense of history through my stories or, you know, from some other folks who were around at that time. Yeah, that was, God, that was just such a, a magical time. I remember because blogging was also really kind of starting to take off a little bit. And you also had these, these other online destinations that I distinctly remember. And I don't know if you remember UBO, Urban Box yeah, Office. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Urban Expose with Crispus Addicts. And just that whole time, there was so much rich and interesting things that were going on that black people were doing in technology that I feel like has just been lost a bit in the annals of history when people talk about this, you know, about how social networks grew and how the web grew and how blogging grew. Because really, I mean, when I think about it myself, out of that really fertile bed experimentation and expression and identity, that's what made me want to start blogging. That's what made me start 
the Black Weblog Award. That's what made me want to be a designer, you know, like because you had you were able to see this possibility of what you could do that, you know, didn't really I mean, it didn't exist before that. Because that's really when all these tools and everything were really starting to take place and really show that you could express your identity and represent your community in this new and interesting and weird digital space that I don't think anyone really kind of understood because things were changing so quickly. Yeah, and, and I, I, I wonder if, you know, the so like looking at Vibe Magazine back in the day, you know, like how many people were inspired to try to try to create that? I'm sure there were people who were inspired to try to create that. But I think the you know accessibility of web and like seeing these things move in front of you and and like being able to like peer behind how it's made made it seem a little bit more possible. Like it, it yeah. You know, you weren't like cranking, um, you know, a massive press to print on paper. It was like tapping on the keyboard, and then you you see the results of tapping on the keyboard. Like this thing animates or it blinks or whatever. Um, it just made it seem more more accessible. And I think that was in part like what what drew me to it. It was just the fact that you can sort of participate in design and and get a get a quicker result from it like and which just led to more experimentation and kind of pushing the boundaries. From your work at Black Planet and what you learned about, you know, designing for communities and things like that, how much of that have you brought to what you're doing now at Facebook? I think less of Black Planet is in the work I do today, because my, you know, my career is sort of like I mentioned earlier, you know, I've had a, a bunch of different types of titles and roles over, over the years. So after Black Planet, I, I ended up going to an agency called RGA in New York, which, which is another kind of like transformative in my career. And that's where I started to kind of like mature more as a, as a, as a designer and started tackling, you know, different types of products. This was projects rather. This was, you know, obviously advertising. But RJ was another special place because it wasn't just advertising, it was digital advertising. And it was a notion of constantly sort of looking ahead and making sure that, you know, we're being as innovative as possible. We're finding new ways to, you know, create experiences for people to engage with brands. If anything, the Engaging with brands or engaging with advertisers is probably more analogous to what I do today. I think that the overall kind of roots of online community is definitely, you know, the, the foundation for me. But practically speaking, the advertising world is probably a little bit closer or that dynamic between consumer and advertiser is probably more related to what I'm doing today. I would imagine it's probably also a big shift kind of going from startup to agency like that, too. Yeah, that was that was huge because then I got into a, an environment where I was immediately limiting myself to what I could code, right? Because at Black Planet, I had to do you know HTML <laughs> for the things that I was designing. And when I got to RGA, I was like, man, how am I you know how am I going to make this curved corner on this thing that I just did? You know, because yeah. that's what we did back then. <laughs> and one of my peers was like, oh yeah, no, there's like a room back there with. A ton of developers. That's what they do. It was literally a room where they kept uh-huh. it dark and coded. It was very strange to see. So immediately that opened me up to you know working with different types of people and being able to then try to like design something and you know convince that developer that this was you know something that we should try to tackle. 
it just changed the, the, the work environment quite a bit. It just gave me a lot more resources to, to try new things. Talk to me about Fresh Thrills. Oh, man, Fresh Thrills. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I was you know, at RGA4 for, for a good number of years. And I, you know, I sort of like, I was picking up all different types of skills, not just thinking about being a designer, but working with like client services and producers. I started to sort of see how this engine, you know, of, of agencies work and, and being kind of a, just like, you know, someone who's just always looking forward. I got to a point where I was like, okay, you know, I want to, I want to sort of try this. And, you know, other people have left, you know, many agencies over the years and started their own thing with that in mind. So I thought, okay, let's see if I can take the agency style and kind of scale it down to, to something that would serve, you know, smaller businesses. And so my, my business partner, John Merlino, we, we met at Pratt back in the day. And, you know, we had worked together at Community Connect, Black Planet, those places. And, you know, we we're just friends and we just always kept in touch. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm thinking of like, you know, stepping out and just trying something else. You know, what do you think? And the mission was, you know, we would take his sort of like design coder background and we would take my design, you know, art direction agency kind of background and try to scale that down and bring it to, to smaller businesses. And that's exactly what we did. Like we started to, you know, this, this was around 2008-ish, right before, you know, the, the financial situation. So we took it out and got like a shared office down in Dumbo and, and literally worked on it at night for maybe, maybe six months, maybe longer where we would leave our day jobs, go to Brooklyn into this cold studio without heat and like start to build what was eventually Fresh Thrills. We did that for quite, quite some time. And it was one of those moments where like I got a chance to understand what it means to like work with someone that you absolutely trust and like work with someone that compliments you. And, you know, knowing that like this person will do the best possible thing for us because this, this is it. Like, this is what we were trying to build together. You know, we ended up doing a lot of interesting work for smaller businesses who, who would probably not have the ability to, like, go to an RGA to get that sort of level of, of thinking and approach to their work. And also just, like, at an advisory level, like, hey, the, you know, this is what big media or rather the larger advertising market, like, these are the things that are meaningful to them you know, let's find ways that we can weave that into your story as you know, a new brand. So that was, that was definitely another sort of highlight in my career. And then you did Fresh Thrills for a really long time. You did it for how many years? Like six years? Yeah, six, seven years. Yeah. 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 yeah so the first part of that was, like I said, doing sort of small business stuff. And I think after the financial crash, things got a little bit scary for a minute. But um, mm -hmm. then you, you had all these people who were like, Oh my goodness, my world just collapsed. And, you know, I've always had a passion for, you know, making macarons or something. I want, <laughs> that's, I want to do that and like start a business. So we ended up doing a lot of, a lot of this type of work where we were doing like branding for people who are starting things and like designing and building e-commerce websites. But we brought, you know, when we needed help, we would bring in uh, like freelancers to help us out, um, to help, you know, build some of that stuff. But yeah, we ended up, doing a lot of interesting work at, at, at that time, even with what was happening around us, we were able to, you know, keep the lights on. It wasn't easy, um, but we were able to do it. 
And in the later part of the studio, we, you know, as we sort of like rekindled the skills picked up at, at Black Planet from a product design perspective, we started like getting back into the idea of like building things. So uh, John and I actually tried to build a, a social bookmarking tool, and which I still think we should do at some point, even if it's just for fun. We started building one of those and tried to get into Techstars in New York and you know, we got up to the finals, which is awesome, and we didn't make it, which was also a blessing because what ended up happening was, you know, our names got out there mm -hmm. and startups started coming to us and saying like, oh, like, we love what you guys are doing. We need help. And, and we ended up just kind of pivoting the studio into, you know, using like a design sprint model to exclusively work on startups. So we had a couple of clients that we would do like week-long revs on, on things. They would take it out you know, do their customer development, come back with feedback, and then we'd do another rev. You know, we did things like help startups, you know, get design and branding from the start right. So instead of like looking janky, we had legit looking product design and logos mm -hmm. that they can, they can use to convince people that, you know, this thing is like, you know, in MVP style to convince people that this tool is something that they want to use or this product is something that they want to buy. That was also another amazing transformation where we just saw this opportunity and just went for it. And is that how you ended up getting the attention of Facebook? It's unclear how Facebook found me. I, I should ask them sometime. <laughs> like in, in the sea of people, why me? I think it's probably partially, uh, you know, like I've, I've kept a dribble portfolio and, you know, like that's one of the best ways to get exposure, right? You know, I'm not like in the top 100 or whatever, but um, that's a great place to to kind of show the things that, that, that work, but rather show work. So that was probably a part of it. I'm not sure. I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask well, questions. I was like, okay, great. Let's talk. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when <laughs> Facebook comes, I mean, trust me, of course, people listen. No, Facebook is a sponsor. But when Facebook, you know, when they call, you answer. Yeah. Like, yeah, what's, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of keeps you motivated and inspired? I mean, you're doing this great work now at Facebook. I know you say you're, you're fairly new there, but what kind of, you know, keeps you going? What gives you purpose? I mean, for me, like I, you know, it's going to sound crazy corny, but I connect with the mission of Facebook, which is, you know, make the world open and connected. That particular mission translates in the different types of projects that we work on, the different types of things that we do. So at like a higher level, that, that's one, one thing that keeps me going. You know, more practically speaking, is just being able to continue to like practice this thing that I love, you know, which is design and being able to kind of like bring some of those skills dormant and, and things that are very active, like thinking like a marketer as a product designer, you know, things like that, um, bringing, bringing that to the table and, and being able to continue to grow that keeps me going. Being in an environment where like, you know, I, I have access to amazingly talented people and, you know, the ability to kind of like design different types of experiences and, just having scale at, at my fingertips be able to be able to do something that affects people you know, in a positive way at, at scale keeps me going. Have you had any mentors out there that have really kind of helped you out along the way? I mean, you've had this, this really kind of incredible design journey. Who have been some of the people that uh, you've kind of looked up to that have helped you out, et cetera? Yeah, I go, I go back to the, to, to, you know, where it started and, you know, I credit Black Planet for where it, where it started. Folks like, you know, folks like Ian, like I mentioned, you know, always been a mentor 
Omar has always been a mentor. You know, I looked at like Candice was also a mentor from the RGA world, like Nicola, who is just an incredible creative director. When I was there, he, he just always a mentor. Winston Thomas from RGA was another one that was like, like he was the guy that when I showed up and I was showing like a bunch of web stuff and I had one of these like, you know, old show flyers. I showed him that and he was like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget about this web stuff. Like, this is cool. I like this. <laughs> you know, he's always had a great energy and, and, and always made, lo- always looked out for me and, and made sure that, you know, the things that I wanted to do, I had an opportunity to do them. I, mm-hmm. that, that was another special place where like opportunity and putting people on the right path, giving them the right direction, giving them the right tools. Uh, these were things that, that, that came out of those experiences. And those people are still, still dear to me. And some of them I, I talked on a regular basis, others frequently or infrequently rather. Those are some of my mentors. I know that design has been such a, a big part. It sounds like it's been just this really big part of your identity. But if you weren't a designer, what do you think you would be doing? Oh man. Oh, that's a great question. I was I was talking to someone about this the other day and I you know, I don't know, man. I'm <laughs> I am not sure. Maybe like you know, maybe like an artist. <laughs> maybe something maybe something like that like like expressing a point of view through a visual medium uh, I think is where I'm at. Like that's just I'm just wired that way. So I I would have to say like an artist. Where do you kind of see yourself in the near future like say the next 5 years or so? What do you think you'll be working on? Five years, definitely, definitely want to keep, uh, you know, in the product design space because uh, mostly because I, I believe that the landscape of kind of where, you know, the middle part of my career being being uh, you know advertising, I feel like that landscape's changed, and you know you, this is not news to you, but like you know experiences are a form of advertising in a way, like creating connections with people from a, a marketer's perspective you know, it comes back to experiences. So in some capacity, that's sort of a, what, what I want to continue to do unless, you know, I end up in a situation where, you know, I retire and go paint, <laughs> which I don't think is going to happen <laughs> in five years. But um, yeah, just continue to learn, grow and practice as a, you know, product designer. So how do you think we can get, you know, kind of the the next generation of designers interested in design? Because, I mean, you kind of came up and learned design in this time where the web and HTML and CSS and all these things were really these kind of new burgeoning, you know, kind of experiences. And now we have so much at our disposal with courses and boot camps and and just technology has just changed what we can do with design so much. But, you know, when we look at kind of the design community and we look at what's reflected back to us to design media, it seems like it's not reflecting what we see in the, you know, in the real world. How do we kind of get that next generation of designers interested to, to create and kind of do the things that you're doing? Yeah, I think from what you've heard from me, like my foray into tech and design was, you know, quite accidental. I think what happened was once that interest was sparked, I pursued it. And not for a moment that I was I ever thinking about how much money can I make or like, you know, how far can I go with this? It was really just an interest and then just continuing to participate, a willingness to, to kind of stick with it. I know like, you know, the, the landscape's very different now where there's a heavy focus on getting the right job at the right place and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Back then there was 
you know, no right job and kind of no right place. So the landscape's different. But for me, I think it's, you know, A, having, having access and a willingness to stick for it. And then also just seeing possibility. I think, you know, being able to see that other people, you know, like me with, with similar interests can do the things that I'm interested in. I think those are some ways that we can change it or rather some ways that we can show possibility for people who are interested in this. Now you're, you're also a dad. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Is your daughter interested in design? She's from a design family. My wife's a, she's an accessories designer, a handbag designer. And so, you know, we're certainly not like, you know, saying you should do this, right? That's, That's crazy, but she's around it. You know, she's has expressed interest in it in her own ways, like, taking some of the, the you know, scrap pieces of, of fabric and swatches and stuff that my wife has around here and, and like doing her own things with it. She's pretty crafty and down here in Silicon Valley, right? Like coding is something that is introduced very, very early. So she's actually learning about that at school. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, where this goes with her. But it's something that she's definitely interested in. And, and I, I talked to her about some of the, you know, things that I do I, we were just talking about prototyping yesterday because I'm trying to get my, <laughs> my prototyping skills, you know, sorted out. She's like, what's a prototype? So, you know, like, and I'm giving her an answer. I'm, you know, I'm not yeah. trying to like, cover these things up. I'm like, yeah, this is, <laughs> you know, it's your, your first version of something. Um, she's right. like, oh, okay. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll, you know, we'll nurture whatever this, she decides to do. Well, yeah, it's interesting how, you know, as kids, we are are really kind of thrust into this really big, I don't know, I guess I want to say like we have all these opportunities to create and draw and and make things when we're younger. And then the older we get, it feels like it just sort of gets, you know, taken away and removed for other things. You know, it's mm-hmm. different subjects or stuff like that. What do you think you and your wife can teach your daughter if that's what she wants to go into? I think we can we can sort of tell her that like, like maybe not necessarily focus on so much on like the end thing that you want to do, like you can certainly take examples and in my case, like reverse engineer it, or you can say, I have an interest in this area and like go to a school that specializes in that, like my wife did. But, you know, in terms of, in terms of like actually nurturing and encouraging something that she might be interested in, for me, I I would say just kind of like explore and immerse yourself and not think, not think so much about what what a salary a potential salary might be for if I got into this thing like don't think about like how fast I can move up some sort of you know corporate structure by going into this thing so mm-hmm. just really kind of like look at the space think of the thing that you want to do and sort of like explore it you know and through you know our guidance which which I'm I'm super excited to be able to kind of do that you know, we can sort of help her along the way make good decisions. Um, I definitely don't want to prescribe anything. I think it's a good way to, you know, to be. You don't want to lock her into anything. You just want to show her what the opportunities, what the possibilities are, as opposed to saying you must do this. That makes sense. I like that. So just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and, and find out about your work and things online? So you can definitely get me on, on Instagram. Instagram slash uh, Kingsley Harris, my full name. You can get me on Twitter, Kingsley Harris again on Twitter, and of course on Facebook. Just look me up. Those are my kind of my top three. I'm also on Pinterest, 
but those are kind of my top three. And Dribble. I can't forget Dribble. Kingsley. Same name on Dribble. dribble. Uh, just Kingsley. I was able to get that okay. one early. <laughs> nice. nice. Some other time I'll tell you a funny story about why I don't have Kingsley at, at Twitter. <laughs> no, I want to hear it. Why, why don't you have Kingsley at Twitter? Oh, yeah, sure. So so back in the day when, when Twitter was just like the text to your phone thing, Ian Spalter got me into it. He was like, oh, you should check this out. And I think I remember his first status. He was like at, at Prospect Park or something. And I signed up and I was like, man, forget this. And <laughs> did the craziest thing that I don't know who would do this today or just in general. Instead of just saying, okay, I'm not into this and like, you know, shut it. I deleted my account. Oh. I actually deleted my account. And then of course, years later, I got back into it and I was like, oh, but yeah, that's, that's the... The crazy story why I don't have Kingsley. <laughs> I got <gotcha. laughs> Well, Kingsley Harris, thank you again so much for kind of taking time out of your day for, I think, really kind of, you know, showing what your design journey is. I mean, from Black Planet to Facebook is not a design journey that I think a lot of people can claim. And so you really have this, I think, rich knowledge of what the web can really provide from, you know, a different viewpoint. And that's something that is, I think, you know, it's important as a designer, but certainly it's important for Facebook because, like you say, they're about reaching out to other communities and things like that. So this was a really great conversation, man. Thank you again so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It was definitely a pleasure uh, kind of reflecting on this today. So thank you very much. I hope this, you know, I hope the story connects with other people. I can't wait. This is great. Thoughts of love And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Kingsley Harris and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Kingsley and his work with the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, and Hover. Facebook invests in design. They care deeply about how their design team might do their best work, and that manifests in a number of different ways, such as building tools like origami, sharing what they've learned on Medium, and by giving back to the design community. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. More than 10 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to send email newsletters. Their attitude may be playful, but their business is serious. Sign up for a free account today. MailChimp. Send better email. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domain. Search for a few keywords and Hover will show you the best available options across all the 400 plus domain extensions out there. Ready to get started? Save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code REVISIONPATH at checkout. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro audio by Yellow Speaker. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps us get new listeners, it helps us move up the podcast rankings for design, and I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. If you like the work Revision Path is doing with the podcast and the website, then visit us over at Patreon and become a patron. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.